All right. Here we go. Quiet. Quiet. Hello and welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we take a look at the latest movie news, the films of today and yesterday, and put them all into some sort of context. Seated across the microphone from me is Film Buff Online, Editor-in-Chief, Rich Trees. <laughs> and seated across the microphone from me is Film Buff Online, Contributing Editor, Natasha Bogutsky. Hello. Hello. Wow. I wasn't talking to you. Oh. <laughs> Half a glass of port and we're all <laughs> we're all uh All right, all right. Friendly. No, no, no. Hello. <laughs> okay, we're doing um we're just doing Robin William character impersonations. Cause I can do Papaiska. No, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. El Alosk. No. Okay, okay, okay. However, Carpe Diem. <laughs> yes. Seize the day. Um, and um, it's a great day. Um, really? Because it looks kind of icky out. I was thinking more about just movies. Um, I've got the Philadelphia Film Festival coming up, and then that's kind of like my mental kickoff for... Award season? Award season. Yes, yeah, speaking which of... we're going to get into a little bit later. God damn. Um, my Facebook memories reminded me that two years ago today, I saw Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> right in the middle of the oh. last in-person Philadelphia Film Festival, which also, I think that week I saw Marriage Story and um, oh, a few crazy. other a few other things that wound up being awards contenders. And that's, you know, part of the reason why I love the Philadelphia Film Festival, even though it doesn't get a whole lot of buzz nationally, I don't think. Mm. Um, they, they cram it with a ton of movies. There's physically no way to watch every movie they have there. It's just impossible. Uh, they have like four screens going, uh, and even though they'll show things twice, just the way the schedule is, it's ridiculous. But I love it so. I've been going on and off since the early two thousands, and I think two thousand three or four might have been my first one. Ah, and um, yeah, two thousand four because my very first, my first festival T shirt, which um, I'm gonna say doesn't fit me anymore because it shrunk in the wash. The only thing I've done, uh, yeah. yeah. Was, was That's from what their, you did there. Yeah, was from their 13th annual one, and this year is their 30th. So, <laughs> met a lot of great folks. You do um, realize you just aged yourself dramatically, right? I know. <laughs> well, I don't think either of our ages have ever been a big secret on this podcast at mm. all. Um, I've met a lot of great folks at those things, interviewed a lot of nice people. and um, I shot some great photos. Yep, you shot some great photos. The only time I was ever there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm looking forward to it. Exciting. Got a great lineup of stuff. I've already actually seen screeners of a couple of things, and those um, uh, reviews will start dropping this weekend. Uh, I think on Friday. You know what I was thinking about rewatching this weekend? The party's just beginning. Thank you. Karen Gillan's film. That was just fantastic. And I just, I, it still bothers me that it didn't get as much love as I feel it should have. How is, how is it that both of us don't have a physical copy on our shelves yet? Um, I'm kind of being a bit of a snoot because they only released it on DVD. They didn't release it on Blu-ray. And... I don't think they're going to. I have no hope whatsoever that it's going to be released on Blu-ray. So grab it while you while you have the chance, because yeah. I have a feeling once that thing leaves all streaming services, good luck ever seeing it again. Yeah, it's 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 going to fall into that limbo. I think you know every now and then it will show back up in a big package of movies on Hulu for you know a year and then disappear again. Um, and so, that's that's what we're seeing with a lot of stuff, yeah. unfortunately. Um, Here's a movie I haven't brought up in a while. Um, Bathtubs over Broadway. Never had any kind of physical media release. And it's not available on any streaming service right now. And it kind of breaks my heart because every now and then there's been moments where I'm like, I kind of want to watch Bathtubs on Broadway again. It just, it just has a great vibe that you know lifts my spirits. I mean, I have the soundtrack that I got um, with all those great industrial musical tunes. Uh, but the, the movie itself is not available. And this is something we've talked about, though, before. Yeah. Over and over. Actually, I was thinking about you and Bathtubs Over Broadway the other day um, when I was oh. watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. 
Oh, okay. There is an, a person who comes up to um, uh, Alex Borstein's character and wants him to represent her. Uh, wants her to represent him. And he's like, I, I do some singing here and there. I did a, some industrials. And I was just like, hey. I know what he's talking about. <laughs> See? See? Great stuff you can learn about. Yeah, I immediately <laughs> thought of you. And the Aww. only reason why I didn't message you at that point was I think it was almost 1 a.m. <laughs> and I was half out of it myself. Uh, okay, all right. Seems fair. Seems fair. Um, but also... Um, what else is what else is kind of going on right now? Before I mean, we're gonna review in a few moments the last duel, which spoiler alert, we both really liked. I think yes, um, but, I liked it more than yeah. Halloween Kills. <laughs> um, I'm not getting into that. Just yeah, uh, no, 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 no. yeah. Um, I did not much care. I for know it. last week we talked about the possibility of a strike happening with IATSE. It didn't. They came to an agreement. Of sorts. Of sorts, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of the the kind of crew and professional workers, groups that I kind of just lurk in on Facebook, mm-hmm. just to kind of get an idea of what the, uh, the, the vibe is among professionals. And also because every now and then they'll tell great stories. And as the, the film historian in me is like, oh, cool, this guy's going to talk about working on this movie from the 70s, awesome. And that's a great story, stuff like that. Uh, a lot of them do not seem as enthused with the uh, the deal that's been hammered out as the press releases from the head of IATSE have uh, indicated. So I don't think we're out of the woods yet on this. I mean, the, the rank and file still gets to vote on this deal. And as it happens over the next week or two, it could get kind of ugly. Again, really, or it, could, it could get kind of dicey. Yeah, um, we'll see what happens. Mm. But um, wow, I don't have, I don't have a segue for this. I can't come <laughs> oh, up with oh, any of it. Okay, well, I mean, and if they strike, of course, that's going to mean production delays, and production delays are one of the things that they like. We um, didn't already have some of those. I know. Well, especially. we have all those COVID delays. Mm-hmm. Just not just so much from shutdowns, but also. The extra precautions that need to be taken on set True. have stretched out the time it takes to make stuff up, and, to make stuff. And now, because of that, everything is getting crammed into like the last few months of 2021. Well, well that they've made. Yeah. But in order for awards contention to be a possibility for true. these movies. And, and elsewhere... The Marvel films have all had a big pushback mm-hmm. starting next year. Yeah, Doctor Strange, I saw that. which was supposed to open in the middle of March, has been pushed back into uh, May. Mm-hmm. And then everything for the next two years basically has moved back a step, moved yeah, back like, a spot on their calendar. Yeah, it was like a month or two. Everything's been pushed yeah. back. With, except Quantumania, Ant, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania actually jumps over um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That stays where it is. At the beginning of May 2023, and Guardians of the Galaxy moves to like July, which makes me think that it's not a member of their uh, their main storyline, um, mm-hmm. kind of in the way that Black Widow wasn't. Well, there, therefore, it can kind of keep its time slot because it's not going to screw okay, anything. You've else seen up. Loki, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the guy who plays um, Kang at the end in the last episode. He's in Quantum Mania. I know. So okay. So he's the the main. And these aren't spoilers. These are all publicly known facts here. Uh, I don't want to be accused of throwing out spoilers, like somebody from Variety did last night, coming out of the Eternals uh, screening. What? Oh, you didn't hear this? No. That's that's partly what um, uh, Bill Gattavascus, our comic book uh, film editor, and I were talking about when you got here. Apparently, around. Right when the thing got out, um, two different variety reporters came out of that screening and tweeted out something about one of the two uh, end credit scenes. <sighs> yeah. What? And I am not going to get into it now on y- the air. You're going to have to tell me off. Uh, off. It's, it's exciting if you're a Marvel person, if you read a lot of Marvel comics. What do we call this? Aside or off? You can't yeah, say off screen or off, 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 off camera. Air. Off the air. Off the air. Okay. Yeah. I, I almost wanted to call it sidebar, but that's what junk food cinema uses. Um, and they have their sidebars on the air, actually, which are fun. Um, 
but I woke up and saw it. I was like, oh, motherfucker. You know, I was just so mad this morning when I saw it. But I was like, okay, it's going to be out there anyways. Okay, it's out there. I can see a lot of people are mad that these people spoiled it because the movie doesn't open for a couple of weeks. And, and it's I get probably that. been taken down by now. Um, Yeah, but it's like putting toothpaste back in the tube. I know, but I was going to look for it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll, I'll tell you afterwards. Okay. Uh, but, you know, Bill and I were kind of talking about how do we want to talk about that reveal when the time comes. Because he had seen it, too. And um, that was kind of shitty. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately just and, a bit but it's variety so these people won't get yelled at that much if if i had done it and it got picked up and became a, a the moment in the zeitgeist story i would never be invited to a marvel screening again they might even try to bar me from buying a ticket like the second weekend it's the movies are out from going to see it at a regular theater you know that's that's how strictly they take this stuff and i understand they want to protect their secrets for the audience mm -hmm. and when shit like that happens though with an outlet where there's going to be very little if any consequences i think it does make it harder for the rest of us which which is irritating because you know we're i think fighting and being scrappy and trying to get our variety our out. itself won't get banned from the screening but i'm pretty certain the uh writer who sent out that tweet might be for a little while, yeah, they, uh, they might put not, on the yeah, bench. They might, yeah, I guarantee you they probably won't go to the Spider-Man screening, but he might wind up going to Doctor Strange in May. So, Yeah, but, I guess yeah. it depends. Um, but you said that there was an actor in Eternals that might be up for some award contention. Yeah, there was a lot of good buzz about um, uh, Angelina Jolie. Really? Yes. Um, from, from more than one person who was like, she's like amazing in this. There's a, I mean, it's Chloe Zhao. I don't think this is going to be a giant piece of crap. Uh, not that I, the Marvel movies really ever are. No, even the, even the, the bad ones are one. enjoyable. Yeah. Well, okay. Thor Dark World will just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, that's Push it. that off to the side. Okay. So that got dropped into the other dimension with, uh, Dormammu, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. It's the, the, <laughs> The dark world, dark dimension. Um, <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> but, oh gosh, I lost my track here now. <laughs> but yeah, no, there was a lot of uh, positive uh, positive buzz about her. Uh, re uh, full reviews won't drop for probably another week, but you know the social embargo lifted like the second the, sh uh, the screening let out. and And always you have to take... Yeah, world premiere buzz with a grain, a grain of salt. Grainer three of salt, yeah. Um, simply because even... everybody's excited. They just, you know, sat there in the movie and they knew Angelina Jolie was somewhere in the theater. And they everybody walked, well, it was a blue carpet this time. They walked the blue carpet and <laughs> everybody had a great time and they met people and it was exciting. And I can see, and I know I've been in situations where I've walked out of a movie going, wow, that was exciting because of the situation. And honestly, I'll say this. Ghostbusters Afterlife last week at New York Comic Con was insane. And I was like buzzing like nobody's business. And that's why I took, and I knew that the... It felt like you were sitting at a premiere, didn't it? Pretty much, because literally across the aisle, I'm on the edge of the aisle of my row and on the other side of the aisle was all reserved for cast. Mm -hmm. So like, um, you know, Finn, some, and Finn and some of the others were there. Was Carrie Coon there? Carrie Coon was there. So yeah. Car Carrie Coon, uh, actually Marvel actress, Carrie Coon. Mm -hmm. Cause she was in infinity war. Yep. Mm -hmm. I don't even so have, I don't even have Angelina Jolie on, uh, any of my awards lists. She would probably be in supporting, I would say, wouldn't she? It's an ensemble film. It's an ensemble without seeing the film. You know, I don't want to, you know, hazard a guess. I mean, if she's kind of like the the head of the Eternals or the mother figure of the Eternals, then maybe it is more of a lead. Um, but I, for everything I'm seeing looks like it's putting Gemma Chan right in the center. That's true, too. So, yeah, so it might be supporting and it may just be, you know... Marvel making a calculation going, if if we want to run her for an Academy Awards uh, nomination, what are her chances Chances in each category? Supporting, we, I think, would be better right now for her. 
Yeah, because, I mean, we've seen supporting roles and lead and lead and supporting roles before mm-hmm. in the nomination process or the, and the campaign process leading up to nominations. Oh, my God, Viola Davis last year. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I will stand by this until the end of my days. <laughs> because her character's name is in the title, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom should not have been a lead nomination for her. It should have been a supporting. Yeah. It, it yeah. Uh, it's just because she was the the highest female character on the call sheet doesn't necessarily make it a lead performance. No, the f- it's a great performance. It's a great performance, but... but she's not even in the film long enough to constitute a lead. But yeah, I would put her in supporting, and that would probably fill up another space on the sheet because <laughs> actress is filled. Yeah, you've got you've got notes already, which is great. So let's get right into it, though. If you've got the paper, like mm-hmm. I said. Yes. Let's let's start handicapping the race. <laughs> this week, uh, best supporting uh, f- uh, female, uh, best what, supporting actress, and best actress. What we're gonna do? Only half and half. Do another uh, do, two next week. Well, do you have actors already? Yes, I've got actor, oh, actress, okay. supporting well, actor, and supporting actress. Well, let's let's stretch it out. So we do, uh, you know, one because these are I gonna might take, lose this. These are gonna. We'll leave it here. Um, <laughs> these are going to take time to go through, and you most know, of these we don't want to. We don't want to be stuck with like five minutes at the end to talk about last duel because there's a good conversation to be had there that's much longer than five minutes. Yeah. So, um, so let's go with um, best actor and uh, best actress and supporting actress. Let's start with um, supporting actress. Who are you seeing uh, as being buzzed about? For possible nomination for supporting actress, the only two I've seen so far are Katrina Balfe mm-hmm. uh, for Belfast and Dakota Johnson for the lost uh, the lost daughter, um, which will be dropping very soon on Netflix. So keep your eyes open for that one. And um, Belfast is the opening night film at Philadelphia. That is considered tomorrow. the front runner for Best Picture. Yeah, I know, and. The press pass did not cover the opening and closing night films. Not so. Otherwise, I'm not going. Yeah, so I'm not going down. That's tomorrow night. So, Mm -hmm. hopefully, by the time people hear this, it will be just happening or will have just happened. Yeah, I don't have anything else for supporting actress because, um, as I was scrolling my list of 21 movies Mm -hmm. uh, that are in contention, or I would put in contention for this. there weren't a lot of supporting actress roles in this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ensemble pieces, a lot of male-led pieces, and a lot of female stronger-led films. Um, okay, well let's let's just jump right to it then. Hold on, I'm oh, not finished. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> if I was to possibly put anything else in here, I heard some contention about passing. Um, the okay. actresses from Passing, it's Ruth Nega and mm-hmm. someone else. Is it Tessa I, Thompson in that? I think it's Tessa Thompson. Yeah, yeah. I don't know which character mm-hmm. is which yet, and I didn't have a chance to do any research. Um, Before that comes out, mm-hmm. either for the podcast or maybe just for yourself, I'm going to recommend um, watching the movie Pinky from the 50s. It's also about a woman of color who can pass in white society. Okay. And I think it might be interesting to watch that, you know, how that's handled back then versus how it's handled now which i'm sure it's gonna be much more sophisticated <laughs> now but just to kind of get that historical yeah to that um the only other supporting actress and this is a big possible like i don't even have her on the list mm-hmm. because i don't even know if it's a strong contention olga medirez uh who played abuela claudia in, oh. in the heights yeah oh my gosh yeah definitely she should be in the talks there yeah she that, that was a beautiful performance and you know there was something very respectful and strong about that mm-hmm. performance yeah. um i mean i lost both my grandmothers before i was 20 really and um same and so yeah yeah and you know it's you know when i think back you know i kind of am sad that i never had like an adultish relationship with either mm-hmm. of them um but that's what it is but you know just what she brought to the role kind of like awakened like a, a sense memory almost mm-hmm. of that warmth that love um common sense sometimes able to uh speak a little bit more plainly than 
<laughs> my parents could in the situation. Yeah. Things like that. So, and even though that film symbolizes home and community, if there was a character that could ever really symbolize that idea within themselves, yeah. it would be her. And that song that she she sings. Oh, that's it ripped my heart apart. That's amazing. Yeah. I I I haven't had a good cry like that in a while. <laughs> I had to leave the theater because I went with a, a co-worker from work. Oh, and no, I did right. not uh, want them seeing me ball my eyes out oh. in the movie theater. <laughs> um, but no, she, she gave a beautiful performance. And she also won the Tony uh, back in 2008 when In the Heights um, went up for the Tony nominations. Mm. Um so it would be it would be nice to see nice bookend to that yeah to that whole to that journey, journey of playing that character yeah exactly right. yeah oh my god yes um but that's all I have for supporting actress because there is not much here I almost threw um Cape Blanchett from Nightmare Alley in here but I haven't seen enough um to know if it's if it's worth it yeah or a supporting yeah even even Rita Marino for West Side Story as I'm I have a feeling that's going to be a supporting. And she she's might be the other front small, runner. Small role. I know. Like she's the auntie, and I, how do you build up that character in West Side Story? But that makes her a sentimental favorite, though. Yeah, because she was in the original. Uh, she's such a great, you know, performer with a great legacy of work. Yeah, it's very possible that you know the, you know, the Academy, and I again. It's time for my yearly uh, pronouncement of I hate referring to the Academy as a monolith, but yeah, it's members of the Academy might all start to feel relatively the same about looking at her going, we need to give her a career award. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I would see that as more of a career award than um, for, yeah. for that role. And then, of course, the last one I have possibly for uh, – I don't have her on the list yet because it is it is a close eh, – mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not uh, – Judy Dench for Belfast as well. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, again, not se- having seen it though, you know, I can't quite say, but – it's the okay, only thing that would make sense looking at my list. Yeah, sentimental uh, call to get her in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But moving on to actress. Okay. Um, Where do you want me to start? Top of the list or bottom <laughs> of the list? Is the list alphabetical or random? Or? Uh, it's based off of chances on this one. Oh, okay. Then um, let's... Okay, there's five nominees how mm-hmm. many how many people on the list do you have seven seven okay two possibles and five probables okay let's do the probables first from five to one and then at the afterwards honorable mentions the honorable right mentions. before number one um yeah right before number one five <laughs> like five the, to two like, do this like, like watch do. mojo <laughs> yeah we, yeah we've done this you know the same format for other things but yeah okay so number five okay uh olivia coleman the lost daughter Okay. Uh, yes. I rewatched the trailer for that today, and it looks like it, that is a strong contention nomination. I'm firmly convinced that we should just keep giving Olivia Coleman Oscars forever. <laughs> Why? So she keeps blowing raspberries at the camera? <laughs> yes. Her, <laughs> when they're her, trying to play her, her off. <laughs> her speeches are delightful. I mean, she's in she's in Secret Invasion. I know. Next year. So give her an Oscar for that. I know it's TV and it should be an Emmy, but no, just give her an Oscar for that. She's going to be wonderful there. Uh, just Oscars, Oscars, Oscars every year. I want to see Fiona Shaw get more love other than just standing up in Star Wars. That's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I have Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Which Good performance. I, I really liked that. I didn't catch, but I know mm-hmm. you did. So you could definitely say whether or not I was right on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it She shades it uh, very nicely. There's moments where, you know, you can see, like the heartbreak in her life trying to peek out around her well, around her face around her eyes when she's trying to be public and put on a good smiley mm-hmm. you know positive radiant uh outlook persona and there's a couple really good scenes like towards the end that I'm thinking of that really I'm like yeah th- those scenes are really good um so yeah great call 
Um, next, Jennifer Hudson for respect. Okay. Um, I mean, for God's sake, Aretha Franklin handpicked her to play her before she passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there, there is a level of we should honor that. And then everything I've seen, she gives a good performance. Okay. Um, Lady Gaga, House of Gucci. No one's seen it yet, I don't think. Has it? It hasn't screened at uh, Not, anywhere? Okay. Uh, wait, no. Uh, I thought it... Did it? I think it may have... Wasn't it at Venice? I th- I'm trying to remember now. I honestly cannot remember. But I think it was. But I haven't heard any buzz if on it. If it was, I haven't heard anything on it. Have you? Really? Not really. I mean, I mean, we have our a, own excitement for it. Seen a bunch of trailers and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Trying to decide what to wear this damn I mean, thing. Hey. <laughs> two two Ridley Scott movies this year. Yeah. How I, crazy is that? How'd you love the uh, the setup at our local Cinemark? They have the marketing for Last Duel right next to House of Gucci. Mm-hmm. Like so, somebody two knew huge what they were standees doing. and a and a poster in the center. It was awesome. Um. The possibles on the list. Okay. I have um, Jodie Comer for The Last Duel. Mm-hmm. Frances McDormand for The Tragedy of Macbeth. Okay. McDormand's had a number of nominations and a couple of wins already, including Three. last year. Three wins already. Including the last best year actress. for yeah. Nomadland with Chloe Zhao. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have one more, and this one is really just pushing Emma Stone for Corella. It is a tight, probably not going to make the list at all. That's why I put her as a huge possible. I like that as a dark horse, though. As a, holy crap, we did not see that coming kind of a Because that one, that one scene where she gives the monologue mm-hmm. is, uh, I go back and watch it every now and then, and it's a strong scene. She does so much eye acting in that it's ridiculous yeah i disney would be crazy if they didn't push her for that Mm -hmm. um whether she gets makes the cut or not i don't i don't think she's not i don't think she's gonna make the cut but it would be interesting i'm trying to remember if they do short lists in the um actors and actresses categories I, i don't think they do um but she you know if if they do do short lists like say you know down to 15 and then the five are chosen from there mm-hmm. she would definitely i think if disney pushed her she would definitely be in there okay um and your number one seed draft seed for a lot of people are gonna be pissed about this okay Kristen scoot uh Kristen stewart for spencer i totally am with you on that she's been doing great work and people who haven't thought to go see her in a movie since the last Twilight movie came out what fifteen years ago or whatever. Yeah, and if or, that you know, one movie was Charlie's Angels, dudes, you're missing out. True. I mean, even in Underwater, she's good. I really liked Underwater. Uh, that one was released in January and mm-hmm. did not get a lot of buzz. No. Um. So I don't think a lot of people saw it. Um. But it's a fun underwater. It's a fun underwater alien aliens movie. Riff. <laughs> aliens riff is what it is, really. Um, but she does great work in it. Oh my god, though, um, she didn't. The film is not great, but I loved her in Seaberg. Another I fine performance. Yeah, Claudia um, Sills Maria. Oh my god, um, I can't. I I gush every time someone brings up Claudia <laughs> Sills Maria. It is one of the most beautiful movies I have probably seen in a while. And it kind of reminds me similarly to how um, Call Me By Your Name is shot, which both were shot on 35 millimeter. Very beautiful, naturalistic lighting, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of a very warm, summery feel. Yeah, there is that grainy from the actual texture of the film instead of the digital prints. Mm -hmm. It is a gorgeous film. And... um, I, I have I've only seen bits and pieces of it so far, but personal shopper. Personal shopper also. Yeah. Did you catch up with personal yes, shopper? Yes, I have. How was it? It's it's fantastic. It it takes a weird kind of kind of a weird turn that I wasn't expecting. And if you haven't seen it yet, I don't 
want to spoil it. I think it's over on Criterion Channel right uh, now. It so. might be. Uh, I know it's available in the Criterion Collection on disc. <laughs> Which is a flash sale today. <laughs> Don't tempt me, dude. You have no idea how no, hard I'm trying I to control just... my finances right now. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> it's like, three Criterions or do I eat next week? You know. <laughs> um, That's what I was thinking. Like, one or do I have lunch tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I cannot say enough about this. Um, I think Kristen Stewart as Spencer is our front runner for the best actress race. Mm-hmm. Rich, if you have a chance, though, before we go see Spencer, and I know it's going to be rough with with uh, Philly Film yeah. Fest, just try to catch up. You don't need to see all of the seasons <laughs> because they, they jump. They jump years. Mm-hmm. If you can just watch this last season of the crown mm-hmm. emma corin gave such this phenomenal performance as diana um she was better than naomi watts was wow yeah that that film that was made about diana a couple years mm-hmm. ago with naomi watts sorry emma emma corin just blew her out of the water and i would like you because they're so close i think it would be an interesting conversation to sit down Oh, okay. And compare Emma Corrin with Kristen Stewart because one mm-hmm. is for television and one is for film. I think that would be an interesting conversation to have. Okay. I will I will try to do that and we'll, you know, if we can make that all happen, we'll do it right here. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And welcome to yet another production meeting. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yes. We do this everywhere and anywhere. We can have coffee and all of a sudden we start talking production meeting. <laughs> Not just this either. Um, (laughs) Anywho, uh, but let's move on. Uh, This past weekend, uh, Ridley Scott's long-awaited film, The Last Duel, opened, co-scripted by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. The first time they've been working together on a script since... Goodwill Hunting! I know. (laughs) It's it's insane how, you know, that was such a big moment for them in their careers. It got them to the Oscars. They took their moms as their dates. Oh! They both won. <laughs> yes. And th- we haven't seen them work together like this mm-hmm. since, um, which is kind of a, it was kind of surprising to me. I was like, wait, how long? What? Oh, my God. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, and it's great. They're fantastic on the, the But screen. what about, a, you know, hunting season? <laughs> Goodwill hunting too, hunting season? Yeah. Applesauce. <laughs> um, Applesauce, bitch. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wonderful Jay and Silent Bob callback, which <laughs> makes sense because... Uh, one of the films at the Philadelphia Film Festival is Clerk, which is a documentary about Kevin Smith made by um, Malcolm Ingram, who is a Canadian filmmaker who... Um, Kevin has produced things for. Not what I was getting, oh. and I was going more closer for this Sorry. day in film history. Oh, but... <laughs> also this day in film history. <laughs> A.K.A. today. A.K.A. the day we're taping this on the 19th of October, October uh, was the date that Clerks was released. There you go. Yes. And <laughs> and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington was released this day in 1939. Okay, we weren't going so, there. <laughs> so we have Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and then Mr. Smith Goes to Hollywood in, you know, the 90s. Anyways, back on track, (laughs) back on track, indeed. So um, the last duel tells the story of a late 14th century French nobleman uh, whose wife claims that she is attacked, uh, sexually assaulted, raped by another French nobleman. And there's a lot of uh, things about is she telling the truth? Him fighting for her honor and ultimately leading, ultimately leading to a duel. The last sanctioned duel by a government in history, in recorded um, history. Mm-hmm. After this, duels were outlawed, but obviously, for honor's sake, they were still performed. But if you were caught, you were killed. Ask Alexander Hamilton. And now we're back to Lynn. Stop <laughs> it. <Sorry>. Um, <laughs> We can't Anyways, keep doing callbacks all show. I know, I know, I know. Uh, 
But it's fun to find sometimes point out how it all just seems to be connected sometimes. Hun, hun, there's going to be a connection in here to Killing Eve at any moment, which will bring us back to Fiona Shaw. Now let's get to it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I did not know going into this movie. Well, first of all, it's based on a book. And um, I did not know going into this movie that it was going to be – Oh, let me let me just take a moment here spoilers we're going to kind of get in a little deep the movie's been out for a couple of week a uh, couple of days now unfortunately it's not doing great at the box office so if you haven't seen it uh we recommend you go see it because we really like it and then come back and listen to us as we dig into it um, if it doesn't uh do well at the box office a whole and, and you see some awards nominations popping its way, particularly at the Oscars. You may see it pop back up at your local cinema uh, come January. But if it doesn't, you need to go see it now. Yeah, I would recommend. This is a movie right off the top we're going to recommend. Yeah. Um, but and and, and unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about the rape scene a little bit. So yeah. So trigger warning. Uh, trigger I guess warning. Advance notice. Be prepared for that. Okay, moving on. I was not prepared, but I don't say this negatively. I was, I was not. I went into this movie not knowing about its narrative structure, which is basically they tell the story leading up to the trial from three different characters' viewpoints. I actually did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I actually was... walked in. I not only knew about the narrative structure, but I I did some reading up on the historical event without reading the book. So unfortunately, I had spoiled who won. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but how they won was a completely different matter. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. We'll get to that. Um, but I liked that um, because it allowed... Um, a couple of the actors here to really play things differently for each section of the film. Each section of the film. Let's just say right off the bat, this film is told in pretty much a four act structure instead of a three. Yeah, I would so, say everybody's point of view and then the duel. Yes, exactly. So we see the beginning of the duel as your opener, and then it cuts to chapter one, which is the story told from Jean de Carouge, uh, Matt Damon's character. Mm -hmm. Then we get into the second um, chapter, which is told from Jacques Ragui, uh Adam Driver's character. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we have everything told from Margarita Carouge, um, Judy Comer's character. And this is considered to be the truth of what happened. And then finally, we have the duel at the end of the film in order to save or condemn this woman from yes. a horrible death. The, the thought being God would interfere in the duel and allow the... the who was telling the truth to telling, win. Yes. Whether it be... Um, uh, Carouge, the Matt Damon character, or uh, Legree, the Adam Driver character, said, nope, yeah. I didn't do that. Um, so so I liked it a lot. I think lot. at this point you've heard the characters' names enough. We can go by characters' names. Okay. <laughs> I, I really liked that setup, though. And, you know, you know, it just starts off with chapter one, mm -hmm. and then it says, you know— um, was it uh, Sir Jean de Corouge? Uh, Carouge. Um, this tale or whatever it was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I think I know what they're going to do here. And I really like that. And, and then finally, yeah. when we get to Marguerite, it is the truth according mm -hmm. to Marguerite de Carouge. And then they, uh, her name fades out and you're just left with the truth. Yes. And I mean, I like it because you start off – it's Rashomon. With, yeah, it's Rashomon, basically. Um, it's Rashomon with a fourth act. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Pretty bloody fourth act. Yes. Bloody awesome. <laughs> and you start off, though, you're kind of liking Matt Damon's character. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, he's not so bad. Um, he had some bad luck, and life seems to keep kicking him when he's down. So I can sympathize and empathize with him. Uh, when he gets mad with people, and then when this ha when you know his wife is ultimately attacked by the man who used to be his friend, mm -hmm. 
you know, he's obviously just pissed off. And this is all And he's building. very sympathetic to his wife. Mm-hmm. And of course, I have your back and all that. Mm-hmm. And then we get to uh, the Jacques Legree uh, version, which is the second part, the Adam Driver character. And suddenly we see Matt you- Damon's character as impetuous, as a hothead. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a joke at core yeah. because yeah. he keeps, he will go headlong into danger without any... Um, any thought towards his men in battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's ridiculous with his finances. He's entitled. He doesn't work for really anything, um, which Jacques is was born a squire with nothing. He learned how to educate himself. He learned how to make himself useful, and therefore he keeps getting rewarded, unfortunately, at... Uh, <laughs> at... Uh, Carouge's... Expense. Uh, expense, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a great way to establish that dynamic between the two mm-hmm. of them and ultimately what's, what it's going to lead to. Um, and I, then we see most of, um, Marguerite's life with Carouge, um, from her point of view and that. And most times it's for, actually, it's pretty good, but then there are moments where he's possessive, he is jealous, he holds her hand like a child. He's a mama's boy, too. Oh, oh my God. God. He's Ooh. a ridiculous mama's boy. <laughs> and the mother has more say in this, which is weird because once the wife comes into the household, usually, yes, you're delegated to ma- matriarch, um, but you don't have any say over the household at that point. You are a guest in that household. But yet she runs it with an iron fist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And making Marguerite almost a prisoner sometimes. True. And the, I, I think that's mostly hammered home like when uh, uh, Sir Jean is away mm-hmm. and he leaves instructions to Marguerite for your safety, stay in the castle. And, you know, and just have, you know, the servants around. And you're not and allowed then, to be alone. Yeah. And the mom's like, well, I got to go into town. I'm taking everybody with me. And she's like, well, can't you leave me one? Nope. And they're off, you know, you know they're flying. John the... said, don't leave me alone. And she didn't care. Nope. So ultimately, though, if anybody's to blame for what happened. Oh, she is. Definitely. And, you know, nothing ever happens to her, unfortunately. Um... And then they try to make you sympathetic with the mom for that one scene. And I was just yeah. like not having it. It felt so forced. Oh, her her scene of, well, I've, yeah, I was raped too. And I just got on with my life. I just didn't say anything. And da, 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 da. That scene? Mm-hmm. I, I really did not like that scene because of her attitude. At that time, she, uh, to be honest, I understood where she was coming from mm-hmm. because at that time, that was obviously the attitude that women were supposed to have to it was you just move the fuck on because it happens to literally everyone and you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. What makes you so special for speaking up? You literally are no better than we are. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get that because that was the attitude of the time mm-hmm. at what what Marguerite is doing actually feels so modern. I was going to say. And I think that, that's why the story resonates. That It resonates, but I felt kind of at that moment it was like being a little bit too much nail on the head of Me Too and everything. Yeah. It. it I mean, I'm not saying that the obviousness of that one scene kind of wrecks everything. It doesn't. But right in that moment I was like, okay, yeah, okay, we, we – this is the Me Too section where we state the theme of the movie. And from that, I am I wish it had played differently. So I didn't get like, this is where the movie stops to express what the theme of the film is. Yeah. You know, I wish it had played more uh, naturally. And every, but, I mean, everyone's I experience what was having, to... What was it, just, it just kind of missed it for me. Yeah, that, that section did feel forced. I, I mean, I get it. I understand that people do have different reactions to an event like that. Um, some people are able to pick back up a little easier as long as they distract themselves from the event. Sometimes it's easier to 
it helps them to move on. When you mm-hmm. have a distraction, when you have people to care for sooner or later, that becomes your only focus. It's, it's still there, but it's in the back of your head. Um, some people don't move on at all. Some people become more promiscuous. Not that I'm shaming anyone. Everyone reacts to it differently. Mm-hmm. And But uh, yeah, that scene just felt like it missed the bar just a little bit. Like, I know what they were trying to establish her as the first type that I mentioned, but it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, but the movie immediately recovers. Yeah. And, you you know, it's just that, like, slight moment. And I think we're almost hammering it too much for too how much, slight yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, but because over- Probably because even though it's so slight, it's the one bit of this film that feels off. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it stood out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but ultimately, though, I mean, the movie is about men mistaking pride and honor. And love. For love. Yeah. They think because they're proud, they have this wife, they or, you know, they're proud because they are rich and they're kind of untouchable because they have allies at court that they can do anything they want. And they, I think they both mistake love from Marguerite. Um, they, I, I would agree with that. I would say that uh, Legree's uh, love for her, to a certain extent, is genuine, even though he rapes her. Okay. Um, and I think that's what makes it so terrible, is because he's blinded himself to his own love and respect for this woman that he believes it's absolutely returned. It's a deluded love. It is a deluded love. Yeah, but it's there not is... re- re- uh, reciprocated. No. He just imagines he takes... And that's another great thing about that Rashomon structure where, you know, we'll see him, you know, looking at her and she has this smile and then as she glances towards him and then in the next section we see, well, she has a smile because she's talking to her husband about, about... him and, and being snarky and like, Kind of like, yeah, this guy. Yeah. And then and then glances over and it again puts that entirely into a different context. Yeah. She's giving advice to her husband during a dance Mm -hmm. about how a smile, even a false one, can go a long way towards mending fences, not burning bridges. And so during this dance, she keeps staring at Legree because they're talking about him. And at one point really does gives him this smile of, oh, I actually kind of like you. I can see how that can be interpreted. But then we actually see from her point of view and you realize... That is not what she was doing no, at all, no. and that was a beautiful fucking scene. Kind of ultimately those two. backfires. On yeah, too. Yeah, but unlike her husband, there is a matter of respect between Legree and her. Of you're learned, I appreciate that in a woman. There, there's this wonderful scene where um, they're at a banquet and they are talking back and forth in different languages. They go from French to Latin to German. And he loves that about her. Mm-hmm. She's so different from any other woman he's ever seen or met. And there's a warmth to her as well that is very inviting. Mm-hmm. Between that and the smile, I can see how he could have mistaken feelings. Mm-hmm. But there's also still that idea of love being a possession. Yes, and, absolutely. And that's what leads to the rape. I mean, mm-hmm. she says no so many times. And even as he chases her through the castle, up the stairs, into the bedroom, pushes her down, she's still saying no, no, no. And, you know, ultimately he flips her over and rapes her. Mm-hmm. And and then he's like, oh, wow, that was great. Thanks. Don't say anything. Yeah. Cause, It'll be our secret. Yeah. Don't you know. say anything because your husband might kill you for it. Yeah. Um. And... And that scene is also shot into that pinnacle of this film is shot twice, Mm -hmm. two different ways. One from Legree's perspective where it's not so much forced. I mean, there is the chase through the castle, Mm -hmm. but it's not... It's and playful she's almost. No. She, she, yes, yes, she is saying no, but in the way that you're like, no, I don't want you to, but I kind of want you to. 
Okay. And even the noises that she makes while he he's kissing up her neck and all that, and the the run around the table kind of echoes a scene from earlier on. Yes, very much so. Where it, it's kind of you know I'll I'll play the fox and and you're the hunter kind of thing, and mm-hmm. and then later on you see it from her perspective and. It plays out in the same way with different sounds and different emphasis on 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 words and ch- it's and just so the int- way it's shot yeah. between the two versions. It's actually shot similarly. It's similar, but just it's enough, enough to give you a more sense of foreboding of menace mm-hmm. in the second version. And and then on top of it, the music uh, for the going up the stairs and all that. Once they get into the bedroom, there's no music. I don't think there's any music. I didn't hear I any. I don't believe there was. This, yeah, this is something that you know. Again, almost, yeah, you know, it bears multiple viewings mm-hmm. because I think there are touches that we're gonna. Oh, okay, yeah, because we know what we're in for now. Yeah. So we can sort of start to make those comparisons. Going, okay, we know that this scene is about this here, and then in somebody else's point of view, it's about this, and we can start because we can start mm-hmm. making better comparisons. Yeah, uh, and even when you're looking at the scene where she tells her husband from his perspective to her perspective is a huge shift. Mm -hmm. In the first one, it's it's they're both really similar until you get near the end of that scene. In his perspective, it's a matter of yes, of course, I'll back you. Mm -hmm. He's very very supportive. He's very supportive. He's very understanding. It's like, oh. And then in her version, he grabs her by the throat and starts screaming at her, are you telling me the truth? And then says, okay, come and do your wifely duties. Legree's not going to be the last one to have known you. Yeah. And I was like. I was horrified. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, that was like, oh, my God. So what's the difference? (laughs) Nothing. The Mm -hmm. only difference is lawfully marital rape was absolutely okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and sadly, some people still think it is. And those are people I don't like. <laughs> um, Agreed. But um, that being put aside, it's st- ne- needless to say, we're both flaming liber- uh, liberals. liberals uh, yes. Oh, my. Did I say Librians? Librians? <laughs> I was going to go Librians. From lib- planet Librios. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we are liberals. Um, I, I, think, I think if people have been with us. For even a fraction of these 90 episodes, <laughs> they oh might Oh my god, have... we're at 90 already? Yeah, Fuck. today's 90. Um, they might have picked up the fact that, yes, we lean to the left <laughs> rather hardly on some issues, so... Yeah. Um... Although, although, really, should rape is bad be a political issue? No. <laughs> okay. That's a moral issue. Yes. <laughs> and the morality says no means no. Exactly. Um... But yeah, the that that scene was just okay, also really quickly. Let's talk about Ben Affleck. Yeah, and that's, that's where I wanted to go next. Actually, okay, Ben Affleck in this in this tale, this very dramatic tale of honor and pride and vengeance and truth and love and truth. Looks like he's having a fucking blast. He's having like. Um, the biggest time of his life, and it's probably the most fun he's had with a role in, since in, before he did Batman. Yeah. Um, in the middle section, in the uh, Legree section, because um, he's also good friends with the Adam Driver character. He is and... the prince, uh, the count of their region. Yes. And so all the noblemen in there pay their respects to him. Kind of like if you're watching Game of Thrones, the Stark family has like... All the other bannermen. Yeah. But this guy is pretty much a libertine. I think <laughs> he identifies himself as such. Four women in his bed and just him and him answering yeah. the door saying, oh, hey, take your pants off. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Driver shows up at his, at his door at his oh, door wonderful. one night. Take your pants off. Oh, hey, come on. You know, and it's so casual. <laughs> it's like, hey, the pizza just arrived. Come on in and have a slice. Okay. Have a slice might not have been the best word choice there. Um Okay, I am so sorry for that. No, no, keep it in. It's amazing. Okay. Anyways, and but he just kind of plays that that section of the character, just like uh, 
a party guy. He is a party boy. Um, he sends his it, wife to he, bed, who's pregnant with his eighth child, and he's like, "Oh yeah, now the party can finally start." Yeah, <laughs> and and he, it's just such a weird performance. I like it; it works, but it seems just kind of weirdly stand out amongst everything else that's going on in, in this an movie. amazing way. Yeah. Yes. Um, Particular. My favorite part is uh, the end of one of the scenes where he's flipping out about Carouge just being, uh, uh, for for better, for lack of better words, the absolute definition of an arrogant, entitled ass. Um, <laughs> and then ends it with, uh, "Agree. Do you like the gold or the silver?" In reference to-, to his shoes, to go with his frock, and just. Adam, the way Adam Driver sa- uh, says, just off to the side, gold, and just walks out of the room, kind of reminded us of, kind of reminded me of when we were shooting Eight Years with Gilda, which mm. was a film that we recently did. And I said, Joel, I'm not the one who broke the marriage vow. And he jumped in and went. Debatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our our actor in that, it's it's the perfect throwaway. Yep. There and Adam Driver in the movie. Yeah, and that's it was so perfect. I almost wanted I almost am wondering was that even scripted or was that uh, Affleck just clowning around and saying, "Hey, the gold or the silver?" And oh, the gold. And it's just it you know, it just seemed like such a weird funny moment. It reminded me of us. <laughs> the way I'll just be like, "Yeah, uh these belts, I don't know which one." Yeah, left, <laughs> boom. Um, or it, it also had that throwaway feel of like um, in the first Oceans movie with uh, oh Clooney God. and Brad Pitt. Yes. Where Clooney is going through something and then at the end he just kind of turns to Brad Pitt and goes, I don't know, did that sound too rehearsed? Or whatever the th- I, that moment was. Oh, yeah, the, but, but the monologue was, about taking the house. Yeah. And that <laughs> was like, no, it was a bit. You might have left off the bit about a hustling movie stars but (laughs) yeah um and that was actually you know they thought they were done with the scene and they were breaking character but you know they were just their characters in oceans 11 were just so much them that yeah soderbergh said you know what that actually kind of works is just those two and their dynamic and he kept it in and that's what it feels like here for some reason it just feels like affleck at the end of the scene is you know um, drivers exiting, he just kind of goes, "Oh, hey, by the way, uh, silver or, gray, or gold? You know, yeah, gold." And, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's a, that that is an interesting dynamic. Is I've seen Affleck and Damon work with each other before, mm-hmm. and they're usually so in tune with each other. Here, it felt like they were so far away from each other because of their their characters mm-hmm. that they couldn't have any moments like that now i want to see all my movies with ben affleck done with adam driver <laughs> yeah i'd like to see more of those two together on screen i think yeah that'd be fun i i'd love to see a comedy with those two a road movie maybe yo <laughs> um anyway. are, are they too old for old road movies at this point I don't know. Somebody needs to bring the idea of a road trip movie back, though. Yeah, it's been, but it's been years since somebody's really done a really solid one. I can't. I can't remember the It'd last good one I watched. Mm. But anyways, yeah. um, did you have anything else about Last Duel, though? Because I think I know I put Driver down in my supporting actor category. Okay. Well, we will talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he that he actually gives more of a solid performance here than Jody does. And Jody mm-hmm. is the only yeah, woman it, in it. Yeah, everybody's raving about her performance. She's so good, she, but... She stands up against, you know, these two guys, the three guys, um, who have all have had, I hate to say it, much more experience at this than her. Yeah. This is like her first major film role that I can think of outside of Free Guy. But yeah. Free Guy... You're not exercising the chops you need for something like this. No, but she is starting to prove herself um, not only in dramas, but in comedies as Mm -hmm. well. I mean, it takes major acting chops, uh, major comedy chops to be able to stand with Ryan Reynolds. Yes, very much so. Yeah, And and I think she does so well in that that uh, 
she's not just, you know, the romantic eye candy. No offense that Marina Baccarin was for Deadpool. Mm-hmm. I think Jody actually instills it with more heart. And I mean, come on. Uh, oh, he found the button. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful delivery. Um, but here, it felt like she was kind of, and I know you haven't seen it yet, but um, pre-Killing Eve, she did a, a mini-series for stars in the realm of the White Queen and the Spanish Princess uh, called The White Princess, where she played Elizabeth of York, mm-hmm. Henry VIII's mom. Um, and it felt like she was exercising some of that in this, uh, kind of a, an innocent who finds strength through ridiculous circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, the only difference is hers was married, originally was marrying a man she didn't want to marry and then falling in love with him here. It's, uh, I, I married a man that I actually kind of like, and now he's a dick. <laughs> um, and mm. oh, this but, is probably the most uh, the one thing I definitely wanted to say about this. This okay. is probably one of the most bloody Ridley Scott movies since Alien. Yeah, the the <laughs> the duel definitely. Um, the battle is, sequence in the in the beginning. Yes, the battle sequence at the beginning is kind of rough. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of other minor skirmishes that we see that aren't so into it, but it they they are also as you know not as bloody, but yeah, definitely the um the 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 titular duel that we get at the yeah. end of the at the end of the film. It's only about 15 minutes long. It's pretty short. Well, I mean, for two guys to just be beating the shit out of each other. I mean, um, yeah, it's it's brutal. It's it's a it is brutal really brutal. Um, and I liked it though. I mean, it's I would say it's more brutal than some of the combat we see in like Gladiator. Oh, it definitely. It's and and uh, it's it's, and it's Kingdom little, of Heaven as well. And it's a little splashier. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> the, that, it's very bloody. This movie's very bloody. I, I seem to recall <laughs> at the end because you had seen. Halloween the night before. The night before. And Holy You had fuck. mentioned how, how gory that was versus Halloween movies normally can be. Mm-hmm. And then I think right at the end of the movie, I think I turned to you as the credits started uh-huh. to go, well, this just not, not your, your weekend. weekend for gore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the characters is definitely dies with a, um, a knife shoved through Yo. their mouth Yo. and out Yo. the back of their head. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that was, I think that was the moment where the whole entire theater went, oh, at the exact same time. Pretty much. Yeah. The whole theater was like, oh. Because it was pretty close up. Like, Mm -hmm. I kind of want to know how they shot that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I'm trying to figure that out now from a filmmaker's Mm -hmm. standpoint. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, I do believe it's going to need a couple more uh watches in order to really unpack a lot of what everybody was doing it's a, it's, it's it's yeah it's such a rough watch though that it's it's kind of difficult uh mm-hmm. to be able to sit down and just throw this into my blu-ray player and be like yeah i'm just gonna watch the last duel hey yeah let's let's have a nice friday night kicking back put our feet up on on the coffee table and watch the rapey movie. Yeah, I, I, I can see where it's difficult. It's one of those movies you definitely probably should approach with a certain frame of mind. Um, I, I'm old-fashioned. It's, old it's fashion fantastic of, work. Yeah, it is. I'm old-fashioned in the way of um, I don't believe in trigger warnings. I, I'm sorry, I don't. Um, do your research on a film before you go walking into it so you at least have an idea of what it's about. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't know the whole basis of it, just watching the trailer and she's just like, you know, this guy entered my home, he attacked me, you know, and then they put enough in, of the trial and the duel into, you know, I request a duel to the death, all that. Yeah. Is, it's a Ridley Scott movie with a duel in, <laughs> in medieval France to the death. It's not going to be pretty. No, no, it, um, it's not. No, but um, They're very blunt with, you know, when she says, 
he raped me. Mm-hmm. It's not a case of he dishonored me or you know anything like that. Or, he violated you know, he me. He violated me. None of those polite words about it. No, and that it, that's kind of what makes that very modern is they yeah. wouldn't have used that word at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have found it, out the And ways. it's very much a punch, though. Oh, it is. And I like that, that it is. And But it, it's beautiful performances. I would definitely it's, say go see it. Because I definitely think it's going to be in the conversation as we move into award season. Yes, absolutely. And I think that about wraps us up, though, for this week. Remember, you can find us online at bigpicturepod.com, and we are now available at iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So either use the link in the show notes post or head directly there, search and hit subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a positive review because that always helps us connect with new listeners. And that's all right here on the Big Picture Podcast. Be an actor, see Mr. Fact.